Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. You may have seen a recent article in InsideHigherEd.com that began, Wyoming Catholic College has a lot of unusual things about it, each enough to merit a story in itself. Wyoming Catholic is a conservative Catholic college that educates students in the great books and Catholic tradition. It also teaches horsemanship and bans cell phones on campus. I love that. And it turned down federal funding. President Glenn Arbery describes the mission this way. This college is engaged in deep ways with the agony of a culture that has lost its spiritual center. We're adventurous and poetic and deeply Catholic. He likes to cite Dostoevsky in Crime and Punishment. Low ceilings are bad for the soul. The ceilings rise at Wyoming Catholic, which is located in the foothills of the Wind River Mountains. The curriculum centers in the Western tradition. Its Catholic identity builds upon Thomas Aquinas and the magisterium of the Catholic Church and engaging with God in the wilderness. Find out more at wyomingcatholic.edu. Our guest today is Mark Pulliam, who is an attorney and commentator living in Tennessee who writes about higher education for several different venues, including the James G. Martin Center for Academic Renewal. I just read a piece that came out on the center's website recently. It's entitled, How Political Ideology is Pushing Religion Out of Religious Studies. This is our topic today. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. All right. Well, you begin with an anecdote of a campus lecture at a local college. What what happened there? Well, I'm... uh... By training a lawyer, I'm not an insider in higher education, but a few years ago, I became politicized or became uh, aware of what's going on in higher education. And this happened when I moved, after I retired, moved back to Austin, Texas, where I'd gone to law school. And in Austin, Texas, what happens at the University of Texas is the center of uh, basically your news universe. At the time, there was a controversy going on between the governor of Texas at the time, Rick Perry, and the University of Texas about education reform, higher education reform. And I started paying attention to this topic. And I had not paid attention to this topic in the 40 years since I graduated from law school. I assumed that everything was hunky-dory pretty much as it was when I received my law degree in 1980. And whatever I would read uh, in uh, publications, uh, you know, Alan Bloom, et cetera, I assume that that was just a, a few nutty professors at Ivy League schools and it didn't really concern the rest of us. And then I became aware that it's everywhere and particularly in public education. So anyway, uh, about a year ago, my wife and I moved from Austin to Eastern Tennessee and we moved into a relatively small town that has a religious affiliated liberal arts college in town that looks very quaint, very traditional. And I assume that, you know, we had moved into, we're, we're next door to the equivalent of Hillsdale College. And uh, so I read in the paper, there was going to be a lecture on religious, uh, uh, a religious topic. And I thought, well, it's open to the public. I'll go and see what's going on. I attended this lecture and it was introduction to Marxist economics. And I was flabbergasted because even though I had been paying attention to higher education and had been blogging about it, had even started a Facebook page, Stop the Insanity at UT, 
I had not been paying attention to religious studies. And I had naively assumed that there was identity politics on the one hand. And so if it was something about feminism or women's studies or gay studies or black studies, Latino studies, that was going to be identity politics, but that religious studies was somehow going to be about religion. And this was sort of a rude wake-up call that I realized that not only was religious studies in many cases, and I should make it clear that I'm not trying to uh, paint with a broad brush that you know every single person teaching religious studies in America is a leftist ideologue, but that in many cases they are, and that the discipline as a whole has been captured by the same forces of social justice and identity politics that have captured so many other disciplines in higher education. And uh, so I, I decided to, since it was a revelation to me, I assumed it might be a revelation to other people. And so I, I blogged about this particular essay or this lecture I attended, and that led to my writing this uh, essay in for the Martin Center, uh, which is a more general look at religious studies. You know, in your essay, you provide a link to the speaker on campus that day, who was a religious studies professor. And I went to the link and I have her self-description of her expertise. It begins, I am a scholar of religion with particular interest in, and you might think that what would follow is particular interests in, you know, the church fathers, particular interest in uh, the, the, ref the, the 17th century reformation in the Catholic church uh, during the ages of revolution, you know, from the French revolution up to 1848. No, these are not the particular interests. With particular interest in the history of capitalism and labor, religion in the Americas, feminist, queer, and critical race theory, and theory and method in the study of religion. I am currently an assistant professor of religion at Skidmore College. I think with those expertises, she's going to get tenure uh, just fine. She'll publish. She'll, she'll find uh, uh, editors who want to publish her work. But this turn toward all these social issues and economic issues, it just seems odd for the scholar of religion to foreground those. I mean, one can see putting, putting religion within certain contexts, but religion would be the focus, but, but not here. Now, in her lecture, how would you rate her knowledge of you know, the concrete economics of, of labor, investment, trade, all, all those real economic issues? How, how did that sound? I'm not an economist either, but it was basically Socialism 101. Uh, this particular lecturer has her PhD in religious studies. And the thing about religious studies that makes it, in my mind, such a dubious uh, discipline is that it is interdisciplinary. It isn't really economics. It isn't really sociology. It's not really history. It's an amalgam of all of these things, which makes it very hard to judge the uh, integrity of this as a discipline, because unlike these well-established disciplines that have uh, an established 
pedagogy, belief system, et cetera, this religious studies is whatever you want it to be. Now, the thing that, as I began my research for the Martin Center article, uh, it was notable that this lecturer, uh, her father teaches religious studies at the University of Tennessee, and I realized that she was perhaps a paradigmatic example of this discipline. But before I could draw any conclusions about the discipline, I needed to know more. And so where I went was to look at the trade association of academics who teach in this area. And there is an organization called the American Academy of Religion, which was formed over 100 years ago originally as an association of Bible instructors. And this in itself is sort of uh, illustrative of you know, that this discipline used to be about teaching the Bible. And now in the lecture that this woman gave, there was not a single reference to God, not a single reference to the Bible. It was all economics and, and a little bit of sociology thrown in. And this trade association, again, you can't judge the entire discipline by a trade association, but it is the largest group of people who teach religious studies, they, they draw about 10,000 people uh, to attend their annual meetings. And it is, you look at the agenda of recent meetings, and it's highly politicized with the sort of uh, higher uh, education politics that we've come to expect, particularly in the humanities and the social sciences but with a lopsided preoccupation with the gay agenda. You know, Mark, let's, let's go through some of the titles of the talks that you recorded here. You, you write in the 2016 meeting that there were more than 40 LGBTQ events, and, some of the, and here are some of the titles of the presentations. Ruth as Undocu-Queer, rereading the book of Ruth at the intersection of queer and post-colonial. Here's another one. Sarah, Sodom, and the queering of time in Genesis 1819. And another one. Daniel 1137 and the invention of the homosexual antichrist. And next one. The gospel and acts of the Holy Ghost. Queer spectrality, affective homo history, and Luke acts. And finally, crucifixions idolatrous resonance, animality, slavery, and sexuality in Pauline rhetoric. And this was just sort of normal, ordinary, scholarly presentation. It was just part of the, part of the program, yes? That, that is a lopsided, so I, I didn't want to just characterize this uh, annual meeting, so I provided some of the titles. This is just the tip of the iceberg. In the following year's meeting, uh, there was a, a presentation on queering Martin Luther. Uh, but this, in 2017, they were reacting to the election of Donald Trump, and that was the main item of outrage at this presentation. So it's become very politicized. But unlike the uh, other departments where, you know, if you're studying black studies, at least you have to stick to that, or gay studies, you stick to that, or feminist studies, you stick to that. 
what I found was that with religious studies, you can study, you can put anything into it that you want. And that my sense is that at many schools, particularly the public schools, uh, you know, at the University of Texas being an example, that uh, it reaches a point where you've maxed out your budgetary, budgetary authority for the women's programs or the black programs or the uh, Latino programs, but you can find some budget in the religious studies program and you end up hiring people in that department. And I provide some examples at, at Princeton, the guy that runs the African-American studies program is also on the faculty of the religious studies department at the University of Texas. Somebody's in the religious studies department, but, but they primarily teach uh, the women's studies uh, curriculum and that it's become a placeholder, uh, a, a place to draw budget dollars from to finance, you know, left wing faculty who don't fit in or who couldn't otherwise get hired in those disciplines. So you have a lot of a lack of scholarly rigor on top of everything else. So it's it's really it astonished me. And uh, I guess it shouldn't have astonished me. As I was again doing my research, I saw that uh, historians of religious instruction and Daryl Hart, who teaches at Hillsdale, wrote a book about this in 1999. The university gets religion and he more or less predicted that this would happen. And as in the beginning in the 1960s, when religious studies became disconnected from teaching religion as religion, and uh, you know when it be, they they sort of stopped becoming seminaries, the instructors stopped being ministers. There was no formal tie to religious denominations, and it just became another academic subject of inquiry. He predicted that the uh, discipline would become rudderless, that it would uh, lose its identity, it would become incoherent. And all of those things have happened. And it has become captured by academics, no longer has any influence by religious denominations. And I would say that the content of these annual meetings sort of resembles what we've come to see from the very left end of mainline Protestant denominations, but it goes even beyond that. And uh, so we have uh, sort of identity politics, all the things that are wrong in higher education when it comes to identity politics, but now it's masquerading as religious studies. A lot of students who don't major in these things take it as an elective in college and for children who were raised in a, uh, a secular household, this may be the only exposure to religion they ever get is basically progressive indoctrination. And, and it's a real tragedy. You link to a story in the Yale newspaper that quote, that, that profiles religious studies at Yale. And the 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 argument of the essay is that the religious studies department, while there's been a decline in the number of majors, that, yeah, a lot of students do take religious studies as an elective. And there's a lengthy interview with the director of undergraduate studies for the department at Yale who says that the elective is very 
popular at Yale. And the reason it's popular is because we now have a diversity of viewpoints. We have a pluralism of religious issues, religious traditions, religious beliefs that we that we explore, and that this is an explanation for why the students are coming. Now, Mark, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that for one second. I, I don't I don't take that as an explanation at all. The major, in fact, has fallen uh, quite a bit at Yale. I mean, the numbers have always been small, but you know, ten years ago they had fifteen students graduate with religious studies degrees. Now they're in the low single figures. And that is largely reflective of the national numbers. You link to the national numbers, and it shows that only about one in 500 students actually majors in religious studies. And here is my alternative interpretation of the fact that a lot of students take one religious studies courses, but very few pursue religious studies as a major. Why not say that they take that religious studies basic course and they do get, as you put it, an amalgam of postmodernism and identity politics and LGBTQ issues, and they don't get very much deep exploration of religion per se, and so they never come back. They don't want to go into the major. This is not a pipeline course. If the course were really compelling and popular, you'd get a few more students who would return and might even end up majoring in religious studies. What do you think? I agree with that. And to the extent that I think oftentimes, and judging from the lecture that this young Skidmore professor gave at the local college that did not even purport to refer to or relate to religion, I think a lot of the instruction that goes on in colleges in religious studies courses is not really about religion. It's about economics or sociology or something else. But the, uh, and to the extent that it does touch on religion, it touches on religions other than Christianity, that, that uh, one of the other themes at the 2017 meeting of the uh, AAR was uh, a preoccupation with uh, these uh, boycotts of Israel. Uh, one of the keynote speakers was Linda Sarsour, the notorious anti-Semitic uh, Palestinian activist. And a lot of what happens in these classes is you learn about Buddhism, you learn about uh, other religions, you learn about Islam, very little effort is made to even touch on the tenets of Christianity or Judaism. So it's it's almost, if you wanted to look at it, in contrast to the type of Christian education that was provided at many colleges and universities from their inception up until the early 20th century, it's almost anti-religious studies. You know, it's, it's funny, you hint at uh, an irony in this transition from religious studies really being tied to religious practice, the training of, of preachers even, into the current, as you put it, a secularized comparative religion, that the climate inside the classroom and inside the lecture hall feels more like indoctrination. It feels more coercive than 
the more traditional religious studies approach of, of 75 years ago, correct? I agree with that. And remember, William F. Buckley started his career as a public intellectual with his 1951 book, God and Man at Yale, where he decried the secular education that he received at his alma mater, even though it was founded by Puritans uh, to teach and to inculcate Christian values. And we have come so far from 1951 to the present where not only do you have colleges not continuing to instill that message that uh, to the point where they not simply disregard it, now they, they affirmatively undermine it or even worse, purport to be teaching religion or religious studies without even giving lip service to uh, mainstream Christian or uh, Judaism uh, as, a, uh, as a matter of theology or uh, practice. Right, right. Well, one thing that I've always used as a, as a measure of whether these experimental or interdisciplinary formations were genuinely rigorous and serious is the presence of languages in in the classroom in the training in the discussion when you see these uh, lectures especially when they claim to be comparatist lectures comparative religion in your survey of religious studies departments in the lectures that you've gone to in the review of the convention talks and programs how much evidence did you find that there was an immersion in in the different languages of these different religions that they purport to compare? I found very little, if any. And my sense is, again, from uh, looking at this broadly, is that in most cases, uh, students take these classes as an elective. They are looking for an easy A. Uh, the you know, these days, and you know better than I do as a retired college professor, uh, teachers uh, hand out A's pretty easily because if you're a tough grader, you get bad reviews and bad reviews lead to consequences. Um, and uh, I get also the idea that a, a lot of religious studies classes are being taught at the community college level. And one of the things that we tend to ignore here is that uh, you know a, a large portion of students attending college are attending community colleges. I don't think the community colleges are as politicized as the large four-year institutions, but that is where all the money is poured in. That's where the prestige is. That's where the research and publications occur. And that's, I think, the more serious concern from uh, the aspect of what is being taught and who's teaching it. Now, I'm not saying that religious studies is unworthy of uh, attention in the academy, but to the extent that there's something specific about religions that is of interest from a historical matter, that should be taught in the history departments. To the extent that there's something noteworthy happening, uh, studying the Bible as literature, there's no reason why English departments can't teach that. And the same thing with philosophy, sociology, et cetera. But when you take religion out of these departments and put it under its own umbrella with no connection 
to uh, establish religions, it, it kind of loses any kind of meaningful oversight and becomes a project in propaganda and activism. And I'm surprised, given how much attention is getting paid to identity politics in the academy, very little attention has been given to religious studies. I linked to a First Things article that's probably 10 or 15 years old. Uh, one of your writers uh, went to a, a meeting and contrasted some of the presentations at the AAR meeting he attended with uh, AAR uh, t meeting topics from the 1930s where they would actually talk about visiting the Holy Land and research in uh, the Bible and so forth, things that most people would recognize as well. That's religion. Most of what's going on has nothing to do with religion, and it's really an abomination to call it religious studies. Well, I, I think calling it the Department of Religion was, was one thing. Once we added the word studies, that, that was a red flag. Uh, be, be careful of, of, of the studies, uh, the studies tag on, on any field, <laughs> I would say. But there is another irony to point out that in this somewhat anti-religion form of religious studies, uh, you actually refer to it as a gospel. It's a, quote, secular gospel. Why do you call it that? Well, they do... Uh share a common creed. So if you look through the meeting topics that this AAR and you look at what it is, some of these more uh, woke uh, people in the discipline are studying, they all embrace the same core beliefs, uh, a uh, Marxist economics or socialism. To the extent that they are concerned about immigration, it's embracing open borders uh, and criticizing any uh, attempt to regulate immigration, uh, you know, that the, the notion that nation states uh, are meaningful entities is, uh, is discarded. That when it comes to race, I find in this discipline uh, attitudes that are even more pro-inclusion and pro-diversity than what you see coming out of a black studies program. Criminal justice is an evil thing. No criminal is responsible for their conduct. Prisons should be uh, emptied. Uh, Israel is uh, a, you know, a, a guilty of colonizing uh, the, the land belonging to the Palestinians, etc. And this seems to be a, a creed that they adhere to almost with religious devotion to the exclusion of anything that's recognizably uh, Christian or uh, from, from the Judaism tradition. So they have embraced this as a religion. They preach it as a religion, even though it is not in any meaningful way religious. Finally, uh, you quote a historian, D.G. Hart, who 20 years ago said that when religious studies became unmoored from religious practice, it would flounder, quote, rudderless, a discipline in search of an identity. Has it found its identity in, in the woke? Well, as I sum it up in my piece, the identity that it has found is 
as a sort of a Trojan horse for progressive politics, that it's a, a, a facade that can be used to indoctrinate perhaps unsuspecting students. Uh, how many parents are going to object if their child says, oh, I'm taking a religious studies class or even I'm thinking about becoming a religious studies major? That sounds pretty wholesome. And if they said, I want to become uh, you know, a Marxist econo economist, you might get some pushback. So I think that the calling that they have found and whether this calling will last, whether it will endure, depends, I guess, upon uh, a lot of things, the, you know, the job market, uh, whether there is going to be any scrutiny or oversight of this discipline. But I think mostly it serves to masquerade the indoctrination. And again, this is not everywhere. At Liberty University, they hand out a lot of religious studies degrees, and I'm sure that those people are learning a different uh, curriculum than people who go to Harvard or Yale or the, you know, Princeton or the University of Texas. Uh, but I think that in large part uh, at schools that do not have a strong uh, religious tradition, it is become just another brand of liberal indoctrination. The essay is called How Political Ideology is Pushing Religion Out of Religious Studies. It's at the James G. Martin Center website. Mark Pulliam, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.